Well, good morning. Welcome to all those of you who are joining us on site and those who are joining us online as well. We continue to see increasing numbers this holiday season online, so welcome to you. Uh, as Zach just mentioned, this is not only the final week of Advent, it means that this Friday is Christmas Eve. And at 6 p.m., we're going to gather again here to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. This Friday at 6 p.m., we're going to be singing Christmas carols. We'll have time to reflect upon some important passages of Scripture. And we're going to light candles, which is is a favorite for many people. Uh, And I just want to echo what Zach said. I want to invite you to join us, but also ask you to consider who you can invite to join you as you join us here Friday at what time? Hey, there we go. We're paying attention. Fantastic. Awesome. Six o'clock this Friday. Well, if you're with us last week, you know that we looked at part of the Christmas story. We looked at Mary's response to the announcement that Jesus was going to be born to her, found in Luke chapter 1. Well, today we're going to look at the same story, but from a different perspective. Today we're going to look at it from Joseph's perspective, how Joseph responded to this incredible experience found in Matthew chapter 1. And feel free to flip to Matthew 1 if you want. If you want to use a pew Bible, you can find it on page 783. Now, Mary, as we learned last week, Mary hears the news that she is with child and that this child is going to be the savior of the world. And as you can imagine, we don't have to try too hard, that would be shocking. That would be some amazing, shocking news to hear. That would be hard to accept, but as you can imagine, shortly thereafter, things start to change. You start to realize this actually is true. I am actually with child, and you can kind of feel for Mary that this is a sudden, shocking announcement, and then she starts going through all the stages of pregnancy because an angel showed up. I feel for her, but you know who I feel even more for? is for Joseph. (laughs) And it's not just because I'm a guy and and because I'm a dad. I I think I feel for Joseph because as hard as that all would have been for Mary, she kind of experienced it firsthand. Like she had the visit from the angel. She's the one who experiences the changes and she knows what's taking place. She knows what she did and didn't do that led to this. Joseph, he gets everything secondhand. All the information is secondhand. All he knows is he finds himself in a dilemma Where his future wife is pregnant, he had nothing to do with it, and she has this wild explanation as to how it all took place. I kind of feel for Joseph if you think about that situation. Have you ever heard a person tell a story or share part of their lives, and you thought, you know, that's just too good to be true. Like like an experience that was so unexpected, you have to struggle to believe it. I'm sure we've all had those incidences that actually happens around here fairly often. It happens at staff meetings, actually, often when Thena uh, shares aspects of her life and she shares a bit of her background. And we hear these amazing stories and we're all kind of left going, you're a trustworthy person, but that's a pretty big story. And I want to give you an example. And so we're going to start off by playing a little game here called Thrilling Thena Things, okay? So these are four Thrilling Thena Things. And I want you to guess if any... Or which of these are true, because they may not be true. Some might be true. I I want you to guess about this round of thrilling Thena things that we're going to play. So now you can just show by hand. If you're online, you can type in in the chat there as well. Play along. It's no fun without you. So, for example, number one, she has her NASCAR license. Any votes for that? That sounds like, how would you even do that? Okay. Number two, Thena, five foot two, received a basketball scholarship. 
Uh, less hands. Less hands. Number three, she's related to Bret the Hitman Hart, five-time heavyweight champ, Hall of Famer, WWE wrestler. Okay, that's random. That's almost so random it has to be true, right? <laughs> Professional frog catcher, if that's even a thing. Who's a, what does that even mean? <laughs> Professional frog catcher. Well, you know, as Joseph considers Mary's story, he has to determine what's true and what's false in the details that he receives. And he also has to figure out, hey, Mary, who's this Gabriel guy that you keep referring to in this whole situation? And how's he involved in the whole situation? But through divine intervention, Joseph comes to realize, just like all four of these facts, that Mary's story is completely true. And so are all four of these things about Thena. It's just so it will be. That Mary's story is completely true. Now, none of us you know, have ever found ourselves in a situation like Joseph, right? That excuse of, you know, conceived by the Holy Spirit, it's been used, it can be used once and once only. So none of us will ever find ourselves in that situation ever again. But those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we do know that sometimes we are called to steps of faith. We are called to situations, to choices, to moments where we have to step out in faith, even when it doesn't make sense. Sometimes we have to take those steps of faith and those steps of trust, even when we know, you know what, I'm going to look like a fool to everybody else around me. And so as we look today at the story of Joseph, I want to point out for us three principles that help us understand how he was able to trust God and keep faith alive, even though he did not fully understand God's plan by any means. And we begin by looking at this in Matthew chapter 1 in verse 18. Now, the drama of this story really quickly focuses upon Mary and Joseph, and so I appreciate how Matthew starts, because he begins by ensuring that we remember this is about Jesus, and he does so by saying this in verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, from Joseph's perspective, he is engaged to be married to Mary, and they are happy, and they are planning and excited for their future. And he's at work trying to save some money and build a house that one day will be the place where they live and they raise their family. And while Joseph's doing that, Mary announces that she's going to go visit Aunt Elizabeth for four months. And she goes and leaves town. She goes to visit Elizabeth. And she comes back four months later pregnant. Now, Joseph knows he had nothing to do with this. He, he was in Bethlehem the whole time. And so with alarm in his voice, he's like, Mary, what did you do? To which I can imagine she would reply, nothing. There's this Gabriel angel who showed up and said I was highly favored and kind of liked me. And, and he said I was going to have a son and that son will be the son of God. And we, we name him Jesus. And I'm like, well, how in the world does that work? And so I asked him how. And, and he said, well, it'll be conceived of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know much about that, Joseph, but here's what I do know. My back hurts, I have morning sickness, and I crave pickles. I know that. Now, if you're Joseph, what do you do with that? Like, what do you do with that story? If you're Joseph, if you're Joseph's friends, 
What do their friends say about you do about that? Well, it wouldn't be much of a leap to think that they'd all say you should divorce her. Now, they weren't married at this time. They're they what's referred to as being betrothed. Now, being betrothed is a, a very legally binding engagement that exists in that culture where, where you hadn't had a wedding ceremony and you didn't live together and you hadn't consummated the relationship yet, but it was legally binding enough that you would refer to each other as husband and wife. It was legally binding enough that what everybody is thinking Mary had done would be considered adultery. And therefore, she was liable to come before a public trial. And Joseph could lawfully divorce her, and it is possible she could even be stoned to death for such a thing. Which leads us to principle number one that I want to focus on today. Is that God's nature is often revealed through his people. In times, in countercultural ways. Because Joseph's response is very much countercultural to what people would expect. You see, amidst Joseph's anger that we could assume he was feeling, the sense of betrayal, the the desire for vengeance, we're, we're told that he was a righteous man. That means that he knew and sought to obey the truth of God's law. And according to the truth of God's law, the, the, the Jewish law, he was free to divorce Mary. And some would even say he wasn't just free to do so, he was required to do so. But being a righteous man also means you don't just follow the letter of the law, but that you have to follow the heart of the law as well. And he knows that if he follows through with that in the typical fashion, that he takes her to a trial, that she will be labeled, she will be scorned, and nobody will ever marry her ever again. And so he decides to show grace and mercy. And he will divorce her because it's the compassionate thing to do to him for himself. And also the appropriate thing according to the law. But he'll do it quietly. He'll do it by just taking the minimum number of people required to sign the documents, to say the pledges, and they'll just go on with their lives. Now, decades later, Jesus would grow up. And we would come to understand him as the son of God. The one who revealed God's nature to the world. And Jesus would one day be described this way in John 1, 14. The word, speaking of Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us, which is the story that we're reading about this Christmas. And we have seen his glory. We have seen the nature of God. We have seen the glory and the nature of the one and only Son who came from the Father. And what was that nature? He was full of grace and truth. You see, Jesus Christ, God in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, was all grace and all truth all the time. And he revealed that nature of himself and of his Father, his Heavenly Father to the world around him. And in a less perfect, but still absolutely remarkable way, Jesus' earthly Father displayed this too. Because Joseph was committed to the letter of the law. He knew what he was going to do. But he also was committed to the heart of the law on how he was going to do it. And so Joseph is planning to do what he thinks is the right thing the right way. But then God interrupts his plans when we come to verse 20. And we read this in verse 20. It says, But after he had considered all of this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, in that day, when an angel arrived, when an angel spoke to somebody in a dream in particular, it was believed to be this common means of divine communication. 
And so for Joseph, this angel appearing and bringing these words to him, he would take it very, very seriously. He would take it serious enough, he would see it as a command from God. And what is the central point of the message that he receives? The central point is, Joseph, do not be afraid. What would he be afraid of? The angelic messenger? There's no sign of that. Would he be afraid of being the earthy father of the Messiah? Maybe one day, but there's no sign of that at this particular point either. What would you be afraid of if you were in Joseph's shoes? I think of three things that I'd be afraid of. I'd be afraid of being played like a fool. I'd be afraid of being called naive and and letting Mary pull a fast one on me. I think I'd be afraid of looking like a fool. What would others think of me if I followed through with this and I let Mary, you know, if I believe this lie? I'd be fearful of being a fool and how it would affect my, my social standing, my profession, my, uh, my ability to, to communicate with people, knowing that as soon as I walk away, they're talking about me behind my back. I, I think I would be fearful of feeling like a fool. Because I'd probably have some strong thoughts and feelings and emotions about this whole situation. And am I supposed to ignore those? Am I supposed to just put all of my feelings aside and, and just follow through with this? Well... What do we see in the story of Joseph? I think we see a second principle. is that God uses the foolish things of this world sometimes to prove his wisdom and his power. You see, as unbelievable as this all may be, Mary's story is absolutely true, and the angel confirms it, and the angel reassures Joseph. In the verses that follow, the angel offers reinsurance in verse 21 through 23, where he continues. He says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. All of those details carry meaning for Joseph. They all give credence to this message and the situation in which he finds himself. The Messiah was prophesied to come from the line of David. Well, Joseph knows that he's from the line of David, and for that matter, so is Mary. This son was to be named Jesus, which means God saves, and, and the purpose of the Messiah was to save people from their sins. And, and, and there's this well-known, one of the probably most well-known prophecies that existed from the Old Testament that every, every young Jewish boy would have taught at an early age, of this prophecy from the prophet Isaiah, who said, there will be a virgin who will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, because that means God is with us. Now, for some people, this prophecy, uh, Mary's conception, uh, even the idea of God with us, uh, that just sounds foolish. But in 1 Corinthians 1.25, we read this. Paul says this. He says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Now, the foolishness that Paul is speaking of here in this particular passage is, is not actually the birth narrative that we're talking about at Christmas time or that Joseph is wrestling with. The foolishness really is more than that. It, it's that plus the life of Jesus, but in particular, the death and resurrection of Jesus. That Paul is saying the world refers to this sort of stuff as foolishness. Because, see, the people of that day had a hard time believing that Jesus was God because he died. And how would I put my faith? Why would I put my faith in a God who died? That would be a weak God. That would be a defeated God. Why would I not look for a strong, victorious God instead? And so Jesus' whole life, 
His whole story was seen and referred to as a stumbling block for people who were trying to accept the reality of who Jesus claimed to be. And even today, not much has changed. There are still many, many people who see these things as stumbling blocks to accepting Christ. They see the birth of Jesus and the details around that, aspects of his life and his teaching. The means by which he said he made salvation possible. These continue to be stumbling blocks in our current world society as well. Current reasons why people struggle to believe and to receive Christ. So let me say this. If you grew up in the church, when we get to Easter, we talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus a lot. And if you grew up in the church, you're probably like, okay, that's just something I accept. When we get to Christmas, we talk about this idea of a virgin birth, and we're like, sure, that's just how it happened. But these things become so familiar to us, but please, let us never pretend that these are common. Let us never reach a point where we're just like, yeah, yeah, that's just how it worked, and and you just have to just accept it and move on. Please don't be surprised when people hear these things and they go, that's foolishness. Because these are not easy things. These are not common things. These are hard things to accept and to believe. So let us not lose the awesomeness of these statements that circle around these certain times of years, especially at Christmas when we talk about the Holy Spirit conceiving the Christ child. But if you find yourself on the other side of the equation where you're not growing up in the church, you're maybe not a follower of Christ yet, but you're curious about the things of Christ, Can I ask you to please not just outright dismiss those things? But instead to explore them. To explore the possibility of them. Is there any truth that could possibly exist in there? Is there any importance that could possibly exist within these things? And one of the best ways and the best places to explore these things and to ask these questions about Jesus is at Alpha. We love running Alpha because it gives people a chance to explore these things. And so if that speaks to you here or somebody you know or if you are online and and you are wrestling with some of these things, do not wait. Just because it happens in 2022 doesn't mean it's that far away. Take time before Christmas to register and make a plan to come and ask these questions. Because here's what I can tell you. If you're right and it is just foolishness, you'll have confirmed it and you'll have lost nothing. But if it's true, if these claims about Jesus are true, that changes everything. And that's an exploration worth taking the time for. So, let's get back to Joseph. Joseph wakes up after this dream, and everything has changed for Joseph. And he has to ask himself this question. Is that real? Or was it a bad matzo ball? that I had the night before. And he chooses to suspend disbelief, even though he does not understand everything or even very much of what God is doing. We'll read this in verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave that son the name Jesus. Joseph calls off the betrothal, but not in the way Mary expects. She's expecting divorce and public ridicule. But instead, in keeping with the customs of the day, Joseph probably gathered together a small procession of friends who walked to Mary's home, and he took her by the hand. 
he led her to a small ceremony where they were married. And in keeping with the customs, he then brought her into his home, where he offered to her this scared young mom protection and provision for her and her baby. And he continued to honor her and honor God in the process. Now, people who knew that that was what was taking place and that that's what Joseph had chosen to do, they probably came by Joseph and said, Joseph, what are you doing? Don't you know what this is going to cost you? Don't you know you look like you're being played for the fool? Don't you know that you look like a fool? Don't you know that, that you, must, you must feel like a fool? Which leads to principle number three. Joseph decided that he would rather be a fool in the eyes of man than a fool in the eyes of God. He could not control what others would think about his decisions and what he chose to do. He could not control how other people would treat him in light of those things. But he could choose to believe. He could choose to accept the message that the angel and Mary had shared with him because he could no longer deny the truth, even if it made him look like a fool. And he was the first of billions of fools who would come after him. Billions of fools who would say yes to Jesus and count the cost of following him. And we read in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. Now many of us love the Christmas story. We love it and every year we reflect upon it. It brings incredible hope and inspiration and joy to people. But I have one challenge with the story. And maybe you can relate to this as well. Is that to some degree we kind of hold it at arm's length because it's hard to relate to. As I mentioned at the beginning, this is a story that is so amazing. It is worthy of being in Scripture. It's so amazing it's worth wrestling with. It's so amazing that it will never, ever happen again. And so sometimes it's hard to relate to. Sometimes it's hard to find ourselves in the midst of Joseph's story. But, but I point out these three principles to us because I, I think they still do apply to us today, that we can relate to these three principles today. And so before we're done, I want to introduce to you a fellow fool for Jesus and have him come share his testimony of how this is related to his life. And so I want to invite Aria to come join me on the platform here. Many of us will know Aria. Some of you don't, but you're about to. And, and as he shares his testimony, we're going to see that everyone's story has unique aspects to it. That's, uh, that's beautiful and fantastic. And so there are some details you may not be able to relate to. But it is a great story of how God moved in his life and of how he can move in your life. And so we're going to process these three principles through Aria's story. And as you listen, I also want you to consider how they relate to your story. Okay? Aria, thanks for doing this. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for, for doing this. I, I, have, I remember when uh, you first shared your testimony with me. It was about five years ago yep. uh, in the Flamingo restaurant. I think it was. Oh, yeah. yeah. It took yeah. about two hours. Yeah. We fun. don't have two hours. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to do the Coles Notes version, or I guess yeah. for the young folks, Sparks Notes. That's what that is now, I guess. It's a different name. But let's uh, love to hear uh, how God uh, revealed himself to you. So let me just ask you the first question. As I mentioned earlier today, that that God's nature, that the fullness of grace and the fullness of truth is so often revealed through his people. And so in your story, Aria, why don't you explain to us 
who God used and how God revealed his grace and his truth to you. First of all, I should start a little bit from background. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I born in Iran uh, in a Muslim country and my background was Muslim. Uh, I grew up in a Muslim background family, but they were not religious too much. Uh, in my life, I started always doing hard work and with empty hand, I started my business and uh, my business was very good. Okay, what kind of business uh, was it? It was a clothes, oh, I had yeah. a retail shop, I had wholesale shop, I okay. had uh, tailoring shop, producing clothes and some parts I right. import. Yeah. And it was a very busy time. Mm -hmm. Always I was thinking competitive with other businesses, my friends and um, I can say almost 16 hours or 18 hours of the day I was working. And always I'm thinking about the money, money, money. And the any things happen, I was fighting with God. <laughs> Why are you doing that? Even the small things. And I can, I can say I was lost. I was spiritually dead. But sometime in that uh, season, one of my friends was cheating to me. And uh, I was very angry in that. The situation, economy, everything was complicated. I decided to leave my wife, my little boy, Arsha, he was a one year old, mm -hmm. to go to Dubai and make some changes to change my business and other things. Uh, when I went there, uh, uh, I didn't have any plan, but I started with magazine I went through the getting advertising uh, it was a day I went to the real estate company I had appointment with the, their boss their owner of the company uh, middle of the time I saw the lady sitting there and she quietly came to me and said I want to give you a paper would you like to read this paper and uh, think about that I said, okay, give me. I got the paper, I went to home, and it was a night, I read that paper, and the, where I was living, it was uh, 10 people, we living as a pension, something like that, because I just went over there, I didn't pay a lot of things. And uh, I read the paper, I said, oh, it's advertising for Jesus. No, I'm something else. I don't believe God too much. I knew God is exists, but I don't love. And my originality is something else. I should talk with her and I say I am who I am. Mm -hmm. And a uh, few days later when I went there, she said, did you read that? I said, yeah, I read, we should talk about that. So okay, next day we went to coffee shop, we sit there and in the beginning she start, she said, okay, today you don't talk, just I will talk. <laughs> I said, what? We came to conversation. She said, no, please, you be quiet today, just listen. I said, okay. And she started reading from Genesis for me. To reach the point, 
She said, Isaac was the son who God, God promised to Abraham. I said, wait a second, here something is wrong. I heard always Ishmael was. So, okay, something foundation here is wrong. I should think about that. What's you talking? She started, she say more. And then I said, okay, I want to know more. I was feeling something inviting me, but I didn't know what. I came to the pension. I talked with my friend. They said, oh, leave it then. They just thinking, calling you to some point to sitting, singing, and divesting your time. Don't go there. Yeah. So, okay. But anyhow, I was more curious to know what's happening because always I'm fighting with God. I'm making short. They invited me to church. I went there. The first time when I stepped in, person told me, do you believe Jesus is God? I said, what? No, wait, wait. <laughs> I was stopped. So, okay, this is the next step I stuck there. I think about that, and I read, I read. I had a lot of questions, and I reached the point when we invited in the house church. It wasn't just five people, not more. And Reza more, uh, might, some of people know him. He was there too, came as a ministry. And we talked, he explained, we pray, and suddenly I think the falseness came up from my eyes. They said, yeah, I can accept Lord. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that was a very short. Yes, I know, <laughs> I know, that was good, thanks for covering that. So that was the moment of the people and the steps, and God was kind of moving in all of those things to draw you to that point where you could see the truth was happening. Yeah. Now, as you saw that, maybe not everyone else around you saw that, though. And as we talked about in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul talks about this very thing, mm -hmm. about how the world looks at, you've already mentioned a little bit of it, how the world looks at God and the followers of Jesus and thinks foolishness. So uh, when you accepted Christ, how did people around you respond? And, and maybe I shall also ask you, what did it cost you to make that decision? And uh, I imagine some people looked at that and thought, well, you were foolish to give that up. Why would you do such a thing? Hmm. Now I'm happy that cost, but it cost a lot. Yeah. Uh, in Iran, if anyone convert from Islam, they will call him infidel. Yeah. They say, okay, he left God. And he can be persecuted, he can be in the jail, he can even die. And mostly happen that. Legally or illegally, yeah. they will kill people. Yeah. Uh, honestly, the first thing that came in my mind, I just should look forward. I should left behind. But the most important was the mind is coming to my thinking, okay, might I lose this? Might I lose this? Might I lose this? What should I do? But just I try to pray and be in the way. My friends over there, in the after that, we have house church. I was full of enthusiasm, and I went to everywhere to share gospel. 
And one of the house church, we had some inviting unbelievable people to come. Uh, one of them told me, how you accept? Because you say you have wife, you have child. If they know, they can divorce. Yeah. I say, yeah, I know that, but I trust them. It was a very hard time. Then people inside the Iran knew that. I lost my, one of my shop, my business, one of the fully paid lots I bought from my friends. They said, okay, he didn't give. Financially, I lost a lot. I lost to see my parent for 16 years, which my dad passed away four years ago, and still my mom, when I'm talking with her on the WhatsApp, she's just kissing my picture, and she's crying to see me. Uh, in that time, many friends told me, you did wrong. Be trying every minute to have income, but you don't go to Iran to fight for your wealth, for your asset. Why? I said, I trust them. And always in that time, I remember Matthew 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 22, said, your treasure lay up in heaven, not in the earth. Yeah. People in that room, they thought I'm foolish. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't matter for me. When I was reading Bible, middle of those guys, some of them laughing, but hmm. I chose. Wow. That choice that you made cost you more than any of us hmm. by the blessing of living in Canada will ever have to consider. And that, that's hard at a level that I don't think any of us can fully appreciate because we won't have to live that, but we hear about these things and, and thank you for sharing that aspect because there is a cost to following Jesus. Uh, some places more than others. Which leads me to the final question I want to ask you. We believe God is good and that God is faithful to his people. So, was it worth it? Is it better to be a fool in the eyes of man than a fool in the eyes of God? Yeah, for sure. I'm really happy. Yeah, can you explain because, that for us? Yeah. Uh, now I have happiness, I have hope. Never I had that in my life. Mm -hmm. Just the hope was in front of me. I was thinking that happened or no, that's all. But now I have hope. Mm -hmm. After I became a Christian, always deeply in my heart, I knew Jesus walking with me. And after that, I had a very situation, tough situation of the work because uh, after that, I became, I became a realtor in Dubai. Few months, you didn't have any income, but all the time our refrigerator was full. Mm. We didn't need anything. Uh, in this time, I should say really appreciate my wife, Neda, my son, Arsha, they were with me in the journey, yeah. and Neda's family, because I was thinking, 
when she hear that what happening. Yeah. But that is the awesome testimony she has mm -hmm. when she heard how she accepted too. I was Anyhow, thinking about that. I was like, oh man, I should just not talk today. Well, oh uh, no, Nada, come yeah, up here too. don't, yeah, not time, <laughs> but it was uh, great, yeah. Anyhow, I wanna say I'm really happy when eight and a half years ago I came to Canada and now I became a Canadian citizen and I'm happy at West Meadows, where is my home? From eight years ago, I'm here, a word. Yeah. because I have everything which I would like to have. Yes. Yeah. The mostly yeah. important, I have internal yeah. life. Eternal life through yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Fantastic story. Thank you so much for sharing that thank with you. us today, Aria. Can we thank Aria for sharing the story? Thanks. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, uh, just to conclude today, you know, getting back to to our story about Joseph. In Joseph's story, in similar to Arya's story, he kind of went against the grain of culture. And it cost Joseph a lot. It, you know, if we look at the whole story in the context, it cost him his reputation, it cost him aspects of his friends and his families. But Joseph was faithful to God, and God's call upon his life, no matter what the cost. And because of that, he was able to experience salvation. And he also was able to bring salvation to the world. And Joseph was the one who had the privilege of holding that son and naming him Jesus, it says in verse 25. Joseph is the one who named him Jesus, which means he saves people from their sins. People like Arya, people like me, and people like you, who choose to place our hope in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these beautiful stories, the stories of Scripture, where we can receive hope and see examples of faith and, and, and obedience and, 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 and these wild, seemingly wild steps at time where you just meet people and call them and bless them. And Lord, we're so thankful for the Christmas story and all the aspects of it. We're thankful also that it's not just a story that existed 2,000 years ago, but that you still move and reveal yourself today. So we thank you for Arya and his story and his willingness to share it. I thank you for the stories that are in the people who are sitting in these pews and who are watching online. I thank you for the stories that are not yet being finished written. Because, Lord, there are people who you have been pursuing, who you have been sharing your love and your truth with, who have yet to receive it to themselves. I pray, God, that today may be the day that they would make themselves known online or come forward at the end of the service to talk or pray with me at the front here. I pray there be those who would decide to come to Alpha to explore more of this before making a decision if they need to, but they would not just sit, but that we would take that step of faith and come to see that you are the hope of the world. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.